0: gonna finish up our series today on the book of Joshua. And um, we are looking forward to it. we've been in this series for three months. And um we're gonna finish it today. I said last week I thought we were gonna finish it last week, but you know last week we celebrated thirteen years and of our church and what God has done here. And, uh, and, and so we kinda got into point number one and we'll talk about that in just a minute. And uh but yeah we we're, we're just gonna um, we're going to finish this message from last week, and then next Sunday, Communion Sunday, and uh, we'll have a message for communion about what that means And as we prepare our hearts for the, res- uh, for the, for the, for the crucifixion and resurrection, and of course, in two weeks, it's Easter, and um, what's in our Easter, of course, is the, we call it the Super Bowl for, for, for our Christian holidays, you know, all the holidays, that, that's it, and uh, so it's going to be a great Sunday coming up in a couple weeks. And, uh, and so, but we are wrapping up our series, and, and we've been talking about this series titled, moving from good to great. And, and I know if you've been with me for the last three months, you know what that what that concept is all about. It's all about going from the wilderness to the promised land. And the wilderness is that it's the Christian life that's just kind of going through the motions, and uh, it's not it's not anything that's happening. No no movement is happening in that in that life and you just kind of going uh, in circles. Um, and, and, and that is quote Christianity. And, and, and God does not want any one of us to live in the wilderness. And sometimes we get plateaued in our spiritual walk with God. And, and God desires us, He wants us, He empowers us, you know, to, to move into a promised land, which is the picture of, of, the, of the Christian life that is uh, overcoming that's a victorious Christian life. And, that, and that's where he wants you to live. And, and that's where we can live. We can all live there. And, and, and so that's what we've been seeing in this whole book of Joshua, that theme of, of living in the Christian life, the, the victorious Christian life they have for each and every one of you. And, and, and so is now 110 years old, and uh, in chapter 23 and chapter 24, it's kind of like his farewell speech. He has been in the, in the promised land, uh, in, in, in the land of Canaan. He's been in there for 25 years. It's been 25 years since they've crossed the Jordan River. It's been 25 years since they've, they've seen the walls of Jericho come tumbling down. And, and, and so here he is, 110 years old. He brings the leaders of Israelites together and he says, Hey, listen, I need to pass along some, some final words. My time is coming to an end. And, and, and we can see the theme in these last two chapters where he kind of gives them some warnings. I call them landmines. You know, landmines are something that you don't see coming. You know, not, there's not a sign that says there's a landmine right here. You know, that's the whole point of a landmine. If, if for you, just to, be, to walk on it by, by accident. And so landmines, um, are in our Christian life. If we're not careful, we can step out of landmine. Now, God what give us some warnings. He gives us some heads up. He said, hey, be careful. As you are living the Promised Land, be careful not to get to a place where you think you've arrived. That is what happens a lot of times in our Christian life. We, we feel like we, we've gotten to that place, we're at a spiritual high, you know, we're on the mountaintop and we think, man, I, I, there's nothing that can stop me. You know, I, I have made it. And, 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 and that's the place where it can get very dangerous for us because even in our Christian experience, there are going to be days, even in the promised land of our Christian life, there are going to be days, there are going to be times where we let our go down and, and we fall. And Joshua here is gonna encourage us in some different ways. It's not over, you can get back up. You can get back up. You can get back up. And so there's four landmines. The first one we talked about last Sunday, and that's the landmine of unrealistic expectations. The landmine of unrealistic expectations. This is the idea that when you become a Christian, that when you're walking with God, that that everything will come along just right for you. Everything will just be perfect. You know, that nothing bad will happen to you. That God is gonna, you know, give you all the victories and all the, you know, you're gonna get the pay raise. You know, you're gonna get the, you're gonna open up the mailbox. There's gonna be a, an unexpected check, you know. It, it, and, and God can certainly do those things, right? But not always. And, and, and sometimes people put unrealistic, unrealistic expectations in our Christian life, and that's a dangerous landmine, because the minute that trials and trouble comes your way, you know, you can get very disillusioned and, and fall away from your faith. And that's the first landmine. We spent some time really last Sunday on that. If you missed last Sunday, you can go online and you can listen to last week's message. messages. Go to our website. Today, I want to look at landmine two, three, and four as we wrap up this series on the book of Joshua. I want us to look here in Joshua chapter 23 in verse number three. Again, this is a farewell speech. He's giving them these warnings. He's telling them all these things. He wants to give them his last words. He said, you yourselves have seen everything the Lord your God has done to all these nations for your sake. It was the Lord your God who fought for you. He said, remember, I want you to take a minute, just underline that word. Remember. Send your no, hand out note. Remember, or out the word remember. He said, Remember how I have allotted as an inheritance for your tribes all the land of the nations that remain. The nations I conquered between the Jordan and the Mediterranean Sea in the west. The Lord your God Himself will push them out for your sake. He will drive them out before you and you will take possession of their land, as the Lord your God promised you. He said, be very strong. Be careful to obey all that is written in the book of the law of Moses, without turning aside to the right or to the left. Do not associate with these nations that remain among you. Do not invoke the names of their gods will swear by them. You must not serve them or bow down to them, but you are to hold fast to the Lord your God as you have until now. So the Lord has driven out before you great and powerful nations. To this day, no one has been able to withstand you. You've got the power of God behind you. He said, i give you an example in verse 10. One of you, Joshua said, one of you guys rout a thousand enemies by yourself, not because of your strength, but because the Lord your God fights for you, just as he promised. And so, so be very careful to love the Lord your God, have a high priority for who God is. He said in verse 12, if you turn away and ally yourself with the survivors of these nations that remain among you, and if you intermarry with them and associate with them, then you can be sure, you may be sure that the Lord your God will no longer drive out these nations before you. You. In other words, God said, man, God has done so much. Joshua said, God has done so much. We have come so far. Don't, don't fall short of what we've got to get done here. Finish the job. Verse number 13. Instead, they will become snares and traps for you, whips on your back and thorns in your eyes until you perish from this good land which the Lord your God has given you. Now, I'm about to go the way of all the earth. You know with all your heart and soul that not one of all the good promises the Lord your God gave you has failed. Every promise has been fulfilled. Not one of them has failed. But just as all the good things the Lord your God has promised you have come to you, so he will bring on you all the evil things he has threatened unto the Lord your God that destroys you from this good land he has given you if you violate the covenant of the Lord your God which he commanded you and you go and serve other gods and you bow down to them, then the Lord's anger will burn against you, and you will quickly perish from the good land that has given you so Joshua. In his dying days, he give us this chapter, chapter 23. Chapter 24, we're not gonna read it. We're not gonna have the time to read it, but in chapter 24, he starts with the the story of Abraham. And he goes back and give a history, going all the way back to Abraham, of all that God has done. All that God has done in their lives. And, and, And he goes back and said, don't you forget. Don't you forget what God has done. Which leads us to that second landmine that I want to talk about if you're taking notes. And that is the landmine of spiritual amnesia. Spiritual amnesia. The reason why Joshua goes through the history in chapter 24 is because we have a tendency in our human nature to forget. We have a tendency to forget. And so Joshua reminding them of all that God has done. And I'm sure many of you, you're just like me, we forget. I forget all the time. I like to blame it on my hearing sometimes. You know, Ken would tell me something, you know, and I said, uh huh, uh huh, got it, got it, yes, yes, ma'am. And then, you know, half a day later, you know, uh, the, the job that she wanted me to get done. Did it get done? I said, to come home from wherever. I said, Scott, you, you lazy bump. <laughs> you know. <laughs> well, how come nothing got done? I, and and I, I usually like to pull out the death code because, you know, uh, I said, what are you talking about? You know? Um, he said, you know, I told you they get all those things. I, said, I don't remember. I don't remember you telling me. You know, I did. All right? I'm selective here, selective deaf sometimes, okay? And so, but 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 sometimes we forget. Don't we? We we all. We all have a tendency to forget. And when it comes to what God has done in our lives, sometimes spiritual amnesia can kind of kick in. Oftentimes, if you're taking notes, oftentimes, here's what happens. We forget yesterday's miracles in the shadow of today's mess. That happens all the time. When I'm looking at the mess in my front windshield, I forget the miracles in my rearview mirror. Has that happened to you? Have you been there? Notice, you know, Joshua, what he says, and, and this is one of the key things to avoid the landmine of spiritual amnesia. And he tells us in chapter 23, verse 4, just the first word remember. Remember. In fact, we see this throughout Scripture. Throughout Scripture, we're constantly being reminded. Don't you forget, remember. That's what Joshua's doing in chapter 24, remember. You see, for us, there, there's a reason why we have uh, monuments. There's a reason why you have mementos. There's a reason why, why, why you have museums. So, so that we can remember what happened. and We have got to find ways to remember what God has done. And one of the best ways to do this, one of the best ways to constantly remind yourself of what God has done, it's in, a, it's in a way of prayer. Now, prayer is so important for us. And when people ask me, Scott, you know, how, how, what, what are some practical ways to pray? Well, the first thing I do is say, you know, you start with adoration. It starts with a, a recognition of who God is. In fact, Jesus taught the disciples this in in Matthew chapter uh, six. That's the Lord's Prayer. He he said in chapter six, verse nine, he he tells the disciples, this is how you should pray. And then he said, right here, right in the beginning of the Lord's Prayer, he said, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Jesus said, before you get the prayer request, before you can talk about God with your needs, before you ask God for to forgive the trespasses in your life, and the very first thing you should do when you pray is to recognize the Creator of the universe. It's, it's to recognize that God has always been in control and will always continue to be in control. And when we pray and we put God first, it's, it's, a, it's realigning ourselves with God. Because sometimes before I pray, sometimes we think we're all that. We've got it all going on. But when I pray, I'm reminded that I am nothing without God. That I, that as we are saying today, I need you, Lord. We need you, Lord. We're reminded in that very first little phrase, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. We're reminded that he is a big God. And that he is in a place of adoration that he is in a place of of worship. We're reminded that he's always in control and we're never to forget the miracles of yesterday in light of today's methods. Here's what happens when spiritual amnesia takes place. Two quick thoughts. Number one, when things start to go wrong, and they will, right, because we live in a fallen world, When things start to go wrong, spiritual amnesia will lead us to fear, every time. When things start going wrong, when we forget about what God is doing in our lives, what he's done, it will lead us to fear. We get spiritually paralyzed by fear. Because we're convinced that the God who parted the Red Sea yesterday can't part the little Jordan River who did? That's what spiritual amnesia does. Things are falling apart. They say, "Oh, woe is oh what was me?" And what we do we try, we try to fix the problem. the more we try to fix it, the more, the worse it gets. And, and we start getting into fear. We start to get worried about. We start getting worried about our job. We start getting worried about this and that. I'll I, get be honest with you. You know, with the recession coming up, and you know, all the talk of the economic downturn. You know. Man, that's a little fearful for me. And I have to remind myself over and over and over again that our God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. And he will provide all of our needs. Not all of our wants, but he will take care of us. Because if not, we could get paralyzed by fear. Fear is amnesia. On the flip side of the coin, when things are going well, when things are just going great, you know, you're just you know, you're flying, you know, going high, you know, things are going great. The spiritual amnesia can lead us to arrogance. Y'all tracking with me? It can lead to arrogance. We begin to think, hey, you know, I, look what I did. Look what I've done and we start to build ourselves up, we start blowing ourselves up, we forget that God has brought us so far, the God who provided the resources, the God that's given you the talent, we start to take the credit. We become arrogant, prideful. Now, so three times in the, in, the, in the book of Deuteronomy, God, through, through Moses, warned the people about this. In fact, you see this, um, Uh, Chapter 4, chapter 6, and chapter 8. We're all going to spend time today in chapter 4 and chapter 8. So look at chapter 6 sometime this week. You'll see it. Chapter 4, one verse in chapter 4, Moses said, Be careful, watch yourself closely. Notice what he said, so that you do not forget the things that your eyes have seen. Don't forget or don't let them fade from your heart as long as you live. Teach them to your children and to your children after them. Make sure they hear the stories of, of the power of God. Don't let them forget. And unfortunately, when we start to see in the, in the Old Testament, especially in the book of Judges, we, we, we see the pattern where the generation, you know, dies and the next generation grows up and they did not know about the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Oh, it's so important why we have LP kids. Why it's so important to bring your kids and your teenagers. We have youth group on Sunday nights. It's so important to get them to, to understand you know, who God is who got it, because if we don't, then the world will tell them otherwise. We have an obligation to do this, as parents, as grandparents, to raise our kids, to make sure that they don't forget, to them, but don't forget. we skip down to chapter eight. Like I said, chapter six, just read it on your own, but chapter eight, again, Moses, He's getting them ready for the promised land. They're still in the wilderness preparing them. So, you know, He's actually kind of giving them the, 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 the talk that Joshua gives at the tail end of their journey, right? He's kind of giving them a pre-warning. And he said in verse number 10, when you have eaten and you're satisfied, when your belly is full, he said you should praise the Lord your God for the good land that he has given you. It says, be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God. Failing to observe his commands, his laws, and his decrees that I'm giving you this day. Otherwise, here's what happens when things are going well. When you're and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, and when your herds and flocks grow large, and your silver and gold increase, and all you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud, and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. He led you through the vast and dreadful wilderness, that thirsty and waterless land with venomous snakes and scorpions. Our God brought you water out of hard rock. Our God gave you manna. I believe in the Hebrew word, I've said it before, that manna is, is a, a hot, hot and ready crispy cream donut. That's what manna is. That's what I believe. You can take your own interpretation, whatever you want to do with it, but that's my, that's my interpretation. He gave you manna to eat in the wilderness, something that your ancestors had never known, to humble and touch you so that in the end it might go well with you. You may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember, the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirm his covenant, which he swore to his ancestors as it is today. See that, Moses telling Moses them, be careful that pride, arrogance, don't get in the way. Moses said, when you get in this land that's flowing with milk and honey, you're gonna have fields that you're harvesting that's already been planted. You're gonna live in cities that's already been built. Everything's gonna go great. And when you get there and you have eaten, your your belly's been satisfied, you're gonna have a tendency, Moses says, you're gonna have a tendency to say, hey, thank God, but we got this from here. Hey, we got this, God, thank you. We can take it from here. Arrogance will kill us. You see, we, we have normalized pride in our life. We, we, we see pride as a good thing. You know, we, 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 we bring our arrogance to our marriage and our relationships and at work. You know, we think this is, this is good. This is the way of the world. You know, hey, it's a dog-eat-dog dog world. And if I'm not, you know, if I don't have, if I'm not carrying my pride with me, then I'm going to lose. I'm going to get eaten up. We have normalized pride. But God, this said that arrogance will make an enemy out of them. Look at Proverbs, chapter eight. To fear the Lord is to hate evil. And God said, I hate pride and arrogance. I hate pride. I hate arrogance. It's not a little thing that you gotta get rid of. It's a big deal. Pride's a big deal. He said, I hate it. Look at verse number 16. There are six things, Proverbs 6, verse 16, there are six things the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him. And then the very top of the list of seven things, seven sins, he mentioned hearty eyes. Hearty eyes, that means looking down on others because things have gone well for you. It's a pride, arrogant. And we have got to be careful of this landmine. You know, as a, as, a, as a pastor, this is one of those things that I have to be careful, you know, especially when, especially when, I'm, when I'm at a conference. You know, you know how, how that goes, you know. Uh, you, you get there, and, and the question says, so tell me what's going on in your church, you know. And, you know well, you know, one in a hundred people. Oh, okay, what, what's going on in your church? And, 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 and I hate that question. You know, I hate it when they ask me, how's it going in your church? Because I, I just don't want to take any credit. I don't want us to make us feel like, oh, look what I did. I, I, I usually I just kind of, I try, to, I try to just dumb down and say, well, you know, God is just blessing us in so many different ways. I don't give a number sometimes. I try to avoid that as much as possible. Unless like to twist my arms, you know, and not and, and just, well, this is what God has done. I, I try, because I don't want to forget. I don't want to get so prideful that this becomes about what I did, what we did. Because I don't get how God did this in the first place through me, through a deaf guy, honestly. God started his church 13 years ago. I didn't even know that we make it this far. I mean, I didn't even know what was gonna happen. I thank God I'll we'll never forget spiritual amnesia. That's the landmine that we need to be aware of. Here's the third landmine. Got two more. The third landmine is the landmine of small compromises. The landmine of small compromises. Joshua chapter 23, verse number six. Joshua said, be careful to obey all. All, at okay, that word all. All that is written in the book of the law of Moses without turning aside to the right or to the left. The landmine of small compromises. That's what happens when we say, you know, I've been walking with God, I've been obeying God, I've been doing, you know, most of the things that He wants me to do. You I, I'm doing most of everything that the Bible teaches me. I've cleared out, in the case of the Israelites, I've cleared out most of the enemies. You see, here's what happens now. Just the, you know, because Joshua dies. That ends chapter 24. In fact, Judges chapter 1, we, we kind of see a little carryover from chapter 24 into chapter 1. There's no, there's no really break in the timeline. And, and in the chapter 1 of Judges, you know, they, 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 start open, they did what God wanted them to do. They start driving out the enemies. Remember, you know, we, we read that long passage right in the beginning. You've got to drive them out. So don't drive them out, they become whips on your back. They become a snare and a trap. And it's a dangerous place to be. You've got to drive them out. And so in Judges chapter 1, it's going really well. They're doing it. They're taking care of business. They're obeying God. They're following the commands. But then verse 19 happens. In verse 19, the Bible says, The Lord was with the men of Judah, and they took possession of the hill country, but they were unable to drive the people from the plains. Why? Because they had chariots fitted with irons. They had iron chariots. They had better technology. And they got a little intimidated by the better technology of the Canaanites. And they were like, whoa, we don't have have iron chariots. You know, they did well with the hill country. By the way, the hill country, you know, uh, the enemy had the advantage in the hill country. That's a classic warfare 101. If you, if you had the high ground, you know, you got the advantage. And, and the Israelites took the hill country, no problem. And the plain I mean, that's even Stephen right there. I mean, they've got, you know, they've got it. This is easy. And they forgot, they forgot that God helped them in the hill country that when they hit the plain, whoa. Whoa. They saw iron, iron chariots and they retreated. They took a step back and they did not drive out the Canaanites. In fact, we see this again in, in, in two verses later in verse number 21. Another tribe, the tribe of the Benjamites, the tribe of Benjamin, the Benjamites, they did not drive out the Jebusites, the enemy. They were living in Jerusalem, and to this day, the Jebusites live with the Benjamites. All of a sudden, we're starting to see a little shift in the second half of chapter one of Judges. Seven times, I just read two verses, A total of seven times where they did not drive out the enemy. That tribe did not drive out that enemy. That tribe did not drive out that enemy. They retreated. In fact, the Bible said that they adopted some of these families. They said, hey, they can come work with us. they got skills that we don't have, talent that we don't have. Let's bring them in. And it started a slippery down slope where God started to retreat and the blessing of God started to be removed from the Israelites. The Israelites never finished the job. They come so far. They have come so far, but they never finished the job. The The Israelites got to a place where they gave up. And they began to think that 95% of obedience, ah, they thought that was still obedience. But you need to write this down. 95% of obedience, it was still disobedience. And the curse on Israel is that they stopped at 95%. They didn't finish. They didn't finish. And as Christian, sometimes, we're, we're, this is what we do. We, we, we look at ourselves and we pat ourselves on the back and say, hey, you know, I'm running this race, I'm ahead of everybody else. You know, I'm, I'm doing good, and we start to compare. We start to compare ourselves to other Christians. Say, you know, I, I, I may not be, uh, I know I'm not perfect, but I'm doing so much better than so-and-so. You know, I'm doing so much better than this person and that person. I'm I'm good, I'm I'm ahead, and we compare. I always say that it's unfair to compare. Y'all say that with me, it's unfair to compare. Say it with me. It's unfair to compare, because we do it all the time. We always compare ourselves to others. It's unfair for your Christian life, it's unfair for your spirituality to compare. Because the only one that we should be comparing ourselves to is to, to the Holy Word of God. That's who we, because when we measure up to God, then we all realize that, man, we've got work to do in our lives. We've got some work to do in our, you know, we've got to take care of some business here. But when you start comparing our lives to others, when I start to do that, it's a dangerous place to be. And I can get to a place where I don't finish the race. I don't finish well. I fall short. I fell short. That's what they did They fell short. They didn't finish the race. They thought, man, we're doing pretty good. We're 95% better than everybody else in this world. You know, we can just kind of take it easy, and they started compromising, justifying. Dangerous place to be. Gotta finish the race. Have you ever watched those clips on videos, you know, maybe you've seen it in the actual game, you know, where, where the jogger, who's running, he's running the race, and, and he starts to celebrate too soon, he starts raising his hand, and he stops short of the finish line. He was in first place, and all of a sudden, he realized the runners are still running past him, and he's like, what's going on? And and, oh, Hustler had 10 more yards, you know? Um, And it's kind of a, you know, we've seen it with the football game. You know, the running back, or the wide receiver, he's running, you know, and he's running hard, and, and nobody, nobody close to him by a country mile. You know, and, and he gets so excited that he gets to the touchdown zone. He spiked the ball, he starts to celebrate, he does all the dance and all the things that he likes to do. And, and meanwhile, someone picks up the ball and starts running the other direction, and he didn't realize it, but he spiked the ball too early. You know, at the one-yard line. You know, he didn't finish the job. You know, when we watch those videos, you know, and when you see these things, it makes us laugh, but when I see it in life, it makes me cry. Because we fought short. We fought short. Now, listen, 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 I know. I, none of us here can be perfect. That's not what I'm after here. You know, none of us can live a 100% perfect life. We all struggle, every one of us. And the issue, is not when we, the issue with that is not when we struggle. That's not the issue. The issue with God is when we give up. The issue with God is not when we're in the grip of a, of, of a battle with sin in our lives. The issue is, is when we start to defend or justify or live in denial. And we set up camp. And we say, you know what? I give up. I'm just going to live here. I'm gonna stop struggling. That, that's the issue, and some of us here, you know, we have fallen. we have come so far, and yet you quit. Don't quit. Don't give up. Don't fall for the trap of small compromises. Well, you know, you start justifying it. Finish the race, and finish it well. Number four if the fourth landmine, I'll be finished. It's the landmine of presumption, presumption. That takes place when things, again, when things are going well in our lives. We begin to presume on God's promises and we blow off God's warnings. In other words, we get to a place in our spiritual walk where we feel like we're untouchable. Have you been there? Again, this is pride. It's so another form of pride, but we become untouchable. We feel like the blessing of God is gonna come our way, but the warnings of God is not. We feel like we've got margin, or we call it capital with God. It's, you know what, I got some capital with God. I've got, I, I got enough good, I got more good check marks on the good side of things and the bad side of things, so that when I do something, you know, I just go ahead and, you know, and just do it, knowing that I've got, I've got enough good things on my resume. We'll start blowing off God. We'll start blowing off his threats. That's that's Joshua, again, in chapter 23, verse, verse 15, it says, just as all the good things the Lord your God has promised you have come to you, he said, Joshua said, he will bring on you all the evil things he has threatened until the Lord your God has destroyed you from this good land he has given you. Joshua warned the people here. He said, listen, our Lord, your Lord your God, our God will keep all of his promises, but we also keep all of his threats and his He keeps his word. So God isn't like a parent, like some parents, you know, uh, and I think we've all been there. You know, when you have you know little Johnny or little Becky, and you say, "Hey, you come here right now! I'm gonna give you a count of three. You got three seconds to get here. You start counting: one, two, 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 two and a half. Come on, jump in there! Come on, nod your head up, up. Yep. You know, what's going on the whole time? Little Johnny and little Becky's like, they got their arms crossed." And they're not moving. You're like, two and three quarters? Hey, I'm, yo, I'm a, don't, get, don't make me get to three. Bad things happen if I get to three. Two and three quarters? Two and a half? <laughs> we'll start going backwards. <laughs> if be threats, and they know it. They're calling you bluff. Listen to me. God is God. And what he promises, he does, good or bad. And that leads us to this little phrase if you're taking notes. Only a fool counts on God's promises while while ignoring his warnings. That's a fool. You count on God's promises while you ignore his warnings. The best illustration I can think about with this is, the, is how electricity works. You know, and we're blessed with electricity. I mean, we don't even realize it. We just flip a switch it turns on. You know, when, when, when the bulb is dead, that's when we're like, oh, okay, something's wrong. or Something's not working. You know, we gotta go downstairs and, and flip the breakers. You know, if you, can, if you can kind of go back 100 years ago, not everybody had electricity. That was a new thing. That was new technology. I'm sure there were some people that live on the candles and, you know, the fireplace. And, and, and when, when electricity starts to come out, and so, ooh, you can have light, you can flip a switch. I'm sure there were some people that's like, oh, no, that new technology, I ain't touching it. <laughs> some things don't change, right? <laughs> you know, the do you get, you're like, oh, I'm, I'm, I, I like the way, I like my book with paper, you know. I, I don't want to read a book on a screen. You know, so some of us, would still buy books. You know, it, it, you know so this, people, oh, technology, light, electricity, you know, I, I'm not interested. And they totally miss out on the blessing of electricity. Wow, what a game changer that was in American history. Electricity, the so thing Thomas Edison, right? I mean, eat the man who really put it on the forefront and make it happen. Electricity, it's the blessing of electricity, but at the same time, electricity is super dangerous. I mean, we all know that. I mean, how many of you ever, you know, <laughs> now they've got, we got we're child proof for a house. You know, back in, the, back in the 70s and 80s, our parents didn't care. You know, I mean, seatbelt, what was that? You know, we didn't just seatbelt in a car. We, we were bouncing around in the back, like with were, you know, playing around. You know, uh, there, was, there was no car seat. Electricity, there you were know, those outlets. I mean, we could put things in there and just see what happens, right? And, and, you, and some of us get zapped. Not me, I right? I was smart, but I would, I would encourage my brothers, just, hey, you should put that in there. <laughs> try it. And one of them, I think, was dumb enough to try it. <laughs> okay, like in the house, mm, you know, it's, ooh, that was cool. <laughs> Dangerous stuff. That's like even today, you know, if there's something electrical that needs to be done, I ain't touching it. I call it professional. You see, only a fool grabs the blessings of electricity while assuming the dangers don't work. Him. And that's the same with God. The danger in the promised land is to think that things are going so well that the little things don't matter, that the promises will be fulfilled, and at the same time, the warnings are nothing to us. That we're above it. I'm above the threats. I'm on God's side. I'm on God's team. I'm untouchable. The dangerous place to be and not the landmine. And if we're not careful, it will blow us up in our face. Going from good to great. That's what God wants. And as we kind of wrap up this message, wrap up this series, God wants you and I to live in the promised land. That's his heart's desire for us, for you. It's what God wants. The church to be. I want to move from just going through the motions to be a church that's on fire for God. On fire for the people, the lost people in our in our in our community, in our world. That's what I want it to be. I want us to make a difference for the for the kingdom. We have enough. Of us, there's enough of us living in the wilderness. Us for no more mentalities. I pray that Lake Point Church and you will go on mission for the Lord. And I have a, a country club mentality, but a battleship mentality. Don't forget what God has done. And let's not fall short of what God wants to do. And let's stay faithful to his word. Let's stay faithful because man, the minute we start to wander off from God's word, and we start compromising with the world. But the day that late point and us start living through the motions of life. I don't wanna live there. And I have a pretty good hunch that you don't want to live there either. See, Joshua, It kind of closes chapter 24. He kind of closes out this book with an invitation. An invitation is probably one of the most familiar verse in Joshua. Joshua chapter 24, verse 15. Joshua says, If servant the Lord seems undesirable to you, then you have a choice. Choose for yourself this day whom you will serve. And that's the question that Joshua's asking, who who are you gonna serve? For whom are you gonna give your life to? Joshua said, hey, you, you can do this, he said, you 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 can serve the gods that your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates. Or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you're living. And they so, said, well, that's not relevant to us because we don't live in Euphrates. Last time I checked, I don't have any ancestors from from there. Amorites. But we do have gods. Idols. Idols, is anything that replaces God in your life? Or something that's higher than God, it could be your job. Your job can be an idol, it could be a relationship. But your husband it could be your wife. I always tell husband and wife, you know, that we should serve, that as a couple, serve God. He's your number one. As you do life, with your number two. That's the hierarchy, and that's the way God blesses when we make him number one. Maybe a hobby is your idol. Maybe it's a dating relationship, a boyfriend or a girlfriend. You used to read God's word, you used to pray, but then that boyfriend or your girlfriend comes along and all of a sudden, God doesn't matter no more. And you spend all your time In that relationship. Whom will you serve? And that's what Joshua's saying here. You have a choice. I can't make you go from good to great. Joshua can't make the nation of Israel go from good to great. Every one of us have a choice to make. a choice to make. And then Joshua says this. I don't know about you. But this is what I'm gonna do, look at the rest of verse 15. As for me and my house, we're gonna serve the Lord. We're gonna do this. And Joshua led, until the day he died, he led with that commitment to serve God. Going from good to great. Hey listen, there's gonna be days in the promised land Where the days aren't, when your days are not so great, because we're going to stumble, we're going to fall, because we live in a fallen world. Get back up, don't give up. Get back up. Don't camp out in that sin. Don't camp out in that failure. Get back up, get back up. You're going to hit a landmine. (laughs) You hit a landmine, something's going to blow up in your face. Get back up, keep moving, keep going. Don't quit don't give up and for me and my house we're gonna serve the Lord our God we ask you help us today help us oh Holy Spirit to show us the landmines and I'll walk with you I know Satan God will do whatever he takes whatever he can to get us sidetracked, to get us off purpose. God, help us to keep our eyes on you. Yes, we're gonna have good days, and yes, we're gonna have some struggles. God, help us to keep moving ahead, keep moving forward. The victorious Christian life, it can be achieved by all of us, God, but we have to choose. We have to want it. So God, I pray that my I pray that all of us here will get there. We'll do it. So God, we ask you to help us as we close up Joshua to never forget what you've done. In Jesus' name. Amen.